Welcome to the War in Ukraine update from Kyiv podcast. I'm Jessica Ganawa, a senior lecturer in international relations at Flinders University in Australia, and I'm checking in with Maxim Yali, head of the Centre for New World Order and professor of international relations at the National Aviation University in Kyiv. Thanks for talking to me today, Maxim. Welcome, Jessica. We're starting out in a new year. We're coming up to almost one year since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, which I don't think many people outside Ukraine would have expected that this phase of this war would have been going on for so long and that we would be sitting here in 2023 having this conversation about Russia's invasion, ongoing invasion of Ukraine. So what are you expecting? How are you expecting the trajectory of this war to unfold this year? Well, I would say we should differentiate uh, this year in two parts. So definitely now both sides are preparing for new offensive operations. We are just now for the last few days received uh, some very good news. New package of American and military assistance. Yes, $3 billion, the biggest one before that. Germany also patriots uh, made a decision to give us a battery great decision we couldn't dream of half a year even a few months ago france britain soon gonna be ramstein but definitely we see that we start receiving new uh, equipment uh, so much needed for offensive operations not tanks unfortunately not Abrams or German ones, uh, but France is given already, it is vehicle, but like it's a kind of light tank, so to say, right? So uh, taking into account uh, the time limits, they just made decision, it takes time for logistics, the offensive will start in March. But anyway, not later, Russians, they're also preparing quite possible they will be the first one to start because it's obvious already that we are preparing, uh, we are receiving new weapons, probably second half of February, because for anniversary, so to say, it's going to be not just the first year of full-scale innovation, but the 20th of February, they started aggression, occupying Crimea, when Yanukovych was still in Kiev as a president. And I guess they would start it last year, also on the 20th, but it was Winter Olympic Games in China, still not over. Definitely, Putin will need to show some results. So taking into account the anniversary, let's put in the 24th, at least what they're trying now to do to occupy Bakhmut. The second Zaporizhia, I don't think that they will start offensive on Kiev because uh, they don't have enough resources, at least so far. They need more time. Starting from the second half of February, March, it will be the hottest time. The main battles will, will start because so far, neither Ukraine nor Russia managed to break a bone to the army. Starting from September, uh, Ukrainian armed forces made series of great operations, deoccupied a lot of territories. We captured strategic initiative. It's very important. Definitely, 
it is obvious that Russians are planning to change the situation. That's why Surovikin was appointed as the head of it. And I'm sure he made some promises to show results. And it's obvious that Putin gave him some deadlines. I guess this deadline is one year anniversary. Of course, I may not prognose the results because unfortunately we highly dependent on the Western assistance. But anyway, I like the tendency, especially taken into account Germany, France, their attitude already to, to give assistance, uh, they may, both of them made great leap. So uh, the first half of year, it will be definitely escalation, huge escalation. Well, Ukrainian military intelligence, the head of it, Mr. Budanov prognosed that we shall deoccupy all Ukrainian territories, including Crimea, by the end of August. Well, quite positive. Very interesting thing that his prognosis come true. And they already came true. When he was prognosing Kherson last summer, everybody, oh, he, he, in August, everything will start in August. It turned to be like this, that we shall start occupying Kherson. They were preparing, but they we hit on another side, on Kharkiv, on the east, and it was a huge success. And then they, they left Kherson by themselves because Russia is waging war just as they used to do it uh, during Second World War. Huge resources, very bad logistics, equipment. But we are using Western weapons. We are ruining logistics. How would they occupy Kherson? We just ruined two bridges. That's all. For a few months uh, using HIMARS, we were just ruining two bridges uh, across uh, Dnipro River, and without it, they understood that uh, they wouldn't be able to supply uh, resources, uh, equipment, anything, and uh, it would be encircled and it would be much more serious consequences if they would have stayed there. So the same we are starting doing now. In Zaporizhia, we are ruining these storages, etc. But the problem is that it's more difficult. Much more people and more territories. There are no such like Dnipro River when you can ruin two bridges and that's it. It's much more difficult. But still, if to cross, for example, in Donetsk region, one railway, and uh, the supply uh, from Russia will be cut off. But it needs, uh, it needs resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think we are likely to see significant gains for Ukraine on the battlefield up until, let's say, August, September this year, which, as you've mentioned, is likely to be a decisive period? And if we do see those gains, what do you think will happen after that sort of August, September timeline? If we get everything we need, for example, if President Biden, yes, uh, make a decision to give us attackers, 300 kilometers uh, range missiles, that's it. We ruin logistics from Crimea, the main supply. We ruin the logistics from Russia on the east, and that's it. We win. But unfortunately, we haven't received it yet. Highly likely that uh, after August, in September, it, it will be a deadlock. 
after these huge battles, I hope and still believe that Ukraine will have successes. There gonna be a deadlock when neither Ukraine nor Russia may not just occupy or deoccupy more territories. A very important thing, political factor, we should take into account. 2024 presidential elections in U.S., in Russia, and Ukraine. So definitely each candidate must show the results. In Ukraine elections, spring. In Russia, also spring. In U.S., we know uh, November. Before that, it's not just a ceasefire or just some truce should be reached, but already some results. For example, for Ukraine, okay, we won the war, we deoccupied all the territories. From my point of view, the most possible variant will reach the status quo until the 24th. Probably we freeze the situation as for Crimea, probably for Donetsk and Lugansk. That depends on factors I mentioned. But Crimea, as we see on the West, not everybody supports the occupation of Crimea, including even the United States. We clearly understand that without military assistance of the West, we may not occupy it. As I mentioned, attackers at other things, they are already building defense system in Crimea. They are preparing for, for the battle for it as a possible variant. So it will be quite difficult, especially different factors, including even geography. You know, it's a steep, it will take huge casualties to deoccupy it, even to start this uh, special operation. It's very difficult situation, like in Mariupol, all that region, the east of Ukraine and the south, it's absolutely steep, no forest, nothing. So as I mentioned, taking into account spring, before that, what we need, number one, to show the results for Ukraine, then to start rebuilding something, to show some results like investments, a Marshall Plan or something. So we see that we have good perspectives, definitely for Zelensky needed to be re-elected. For Putin, it also must be kind of, well, okay, let's put it this way, we lost some newly annexed territories, but now we have guarantees that Crimea, Donetsk, and Lugansk is a part of Russia. Though they can sell everything, you know, to to his uh, voters, but nevertheless, a kind of victory he should also uh, show, and uh, therefore he should also show some results. The United States, this kind of variant, like, okay, we brought peace, we conquered Russia, we defended Ukraine, we united Western bloc, democracies against autocracies, as President Biden prognosed in uh, 2021. We won the first battle, etc. So, therefore, as I mentioned, quite possible, the most realistic, I guess, that in the second half of the year, it's going to be kind of truth, frozen conflict. But what must know, and I want to underline it, it's an eco-nothing state for Ukraine. We clearly understand and why we don't meet the truces as Putin proposed us, etc. We clearly understand that even if we win this second war, 2014-2015 was the first stage. 
Now we have the second stage. Even if Putin in 2024, he says, okay, I'm leaving. Definitely we should understand that it will not be the end of the war. It will be just a pause, operational, just as it was since 2015 when the conflict was frozen. It will be not the end of the war, even if we deoccupy all the territories, including Crimea, Donetsk, Lugansk, it will not be the end of the war. Let's imagine the most positive variant, we deoccupied all the territories in this year. What's going to be next? We should understand the mentality of Russian people. Why this war was possible against like the closest people to Russian. From mentality, not, not even from mentality, we understood for this year how we differ. But we used to think even in Ukraine that we're brother people, we have a lot of common, we used to live together for hundreds of years. If we're talking about uh, uh, the majority of Ukraine, eastern side, central side, including Kiev, yes, it was part of Russia, Soviet Union, Russian Empire since uh, the 17th century. Why it became possible? Because with the help of Russian propaganda, Putin reassured the majority of his people that he is waging war not against Ukraine, but against the West, against the United States, NATO, and all that bullshit. And they believe in it, as he thinks, Putin. The collapse of the USSR was the biggest geopolitical tragedy, yes? They didn't believe that they failed, Soviet system failed itself without help of the West. They were just, you know, hating the West. And they do believe that they are waging war with the West. So therefore, if we deoccupy all the territories of Ukraine, there will be a pause. They will accumulate resources, produce more weapons. And in five, even 10 years, doesn't matter. They will start war again. Even if Putin regime fails, even if there will be some democratical leader, president, Believe me, his presidents will, will be quite short. If you look to the history of Russia, starting from the 15th century, when Moscow Kingdom became independent after it was occupied by Mongol Horde. The history for more than 600 years, we have 20 years with exceptions, okay, let it be of democracy, that's it. So until Russia exists, until it is ruined, not just Putin regime, there is going to be a war not only with Ukraine, but the rest of the world. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Maxim. I appreciate you sharing your reflections on what might unfold in the war in 2023. And as I said at the outset, I don't think any of us, at least outside Ukraine, expected to be sitting here in January 2023 talking about the trajectory of this war throughout the next year. So I know, you know, it's been and it is a very long and hard war, particularly for people inside Ukraine. So I guess stay safe and we'll talk again soon. Welcome, Jessica. You, uh, you know, we know each other for quite a long time already, many interviews. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Maxine. Thanks for listening and thanks to Gonka Varol for our theme music.